Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara. I'm the host of the PauseCast. I'm also the author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break, as well as a private coach for men and women who are struggling with how to get out of overwhelm and reclaim their lives. The PauseCast is dedicated to helping individuals learn the tools and be more self-aware that we can all be more capable of to live our best life, to reach our potential. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular, I invite you to download my free gift to you, which is a blueprint called The Three Keys to Stay Out of Overwhelm and Thrive. The blueprint is available at my website, www.rachelomera.com. Get it today so you can start to implement these tools that we can all learn. And that's what the podcast is all about. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Rachel, your host. And today I'm here with a very exciting special guest, Corey Han. Corey is joining me live as we're recording this from her home in Sri Lanka. Hi, Corey. Great that you're Hi. here. Stayed up for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're here. We're going to be sharing about your new book called Rituals of the Soul. I've got it right here in front of me, using the eight ancient principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. And we were just chatting before we, we hit the record button. And it's actually not even that much about the poses. I think of yoga and my mind goes to like physical stretches. And, and uh, so I just cannot wait to get into this topic with you because it sounds like it's really meaty and juicy. And so much more than what we probably think. And I want to share a little bit about Corey. Uh, for those of you who are just discovering the rituals of the soul or want to learn more. So you are a founder. You are the founder of the community you've created called the Santosha Society. And it's a great site. There's so much there. It's dedicated to travel, surfing, and the soulful. And you host numerous trips around the world. We can even go see you, right? In Sri Lanka, if we wanted to. Yes. For hundreds of women who study Ayurveda, yoga, meditation, and all things related to soul growth, knowledge, and fulfillment. And uh, yeah, you you spend your time there. How long have you been in Sri Lanka? I came uh, December 2019. So almost two years now. Okay. Great. Yeah. Mm. We're, we're spanning the, the globe here. Uh, <laughs> literally the other side of the world I, uh, in San Francisco as me. And then you're over there holding that other pole. So it's pretty fascinating to marvel at that with technology, but welcome to the podcast. Would you like to guide us in a pause? Sure. I'd love to. Thank you. Take so let's away. just, okay, great. And, um, Thank you, everyone, for being here and listening and taking this moment for yourself. Take a moment to just close your eyes and feel the air moving in through your nose, moving down through your throat, lifting your chest, moving all the way down to the bottom of your pelvis. And then as you exhale, let it move back up without any effort, just a release. And now we'll take another deep inhale in from the crown of the head. Let it move down through the third eye, through the throat, into the heart, past the belly, um, the bottom of the pelvis, and all the way down into the toes. 
And then as slowly as you possibly can, just release that breath as it moves all the way back. Just move into your body. Move into a moment of purity with no distractions, just being here right now. And open yourself to whatever that's calling you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. I love just visualizing the breath as it was moving down through my body and from my crown. So I really felt that <laughs> it felt like a wave. It was really, really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you. tell us a little bit about um, your story. Cause I know uh, you said you've, you've only lived in, in where in Sri Lanka for a couple of years prior to that, you were here in the U S but how did you get to be in this world of, of the yogis and learning about these the asanas and, and, uh, and then writing this book. Yeah. No, no that's small, that's no, a good just question. a little question. I just have this little yeah, yeah. thing to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was actually in Bali for five years before I moved to Sri Lanka. So that oh, helped me to move to Bali. here. I would love to go to Bali. Yeah. It was a good, yeah, I just kind of was on holiday and got, um, a bit fell in love with it really fell in love with someone and it just became easy to stay. So, um, traveling gave me so much openness to everything I was experiencing. Even I came back from trips and saw the States in a different way. And I think that's, um, one of the things that really helped me guide my spiritual teachings was just who I ran into and, and the different cultures I explored through the world. And um, yeah, so it was really fun, actually. I wrote this book as a yoga Bible without any of my story involved in the beginning. But because, like I told you, there's so much of my learnings came from these big adventurous trips or like dreams that I wanted to manifest. So in the end, the publisher and my agent and everyone got together and asked me to put more of these personal stories involved. And so that was really fun, actually, to not come at it like I was the guru writing a Bible, but more of just a girl in the world who's learned to use yoga in a simple way that's actually working really well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So you, so you've, how you've made what you've discovered work for you, which I think is key to, to yoga and just like some context from my end too. So I, when I burned out, so my whole world is, I kind of like learned the hard way how to, how to manage my stress. And I burned out of my job when I was at Google years ago. But one of the things that I did in the three months I took off was hot yoga, Bikram yoga. And, uh, and I had never done anything like that before, but my brother was into it and kind of recommended it. And, and it was actually a really powerful process and, and just, you know, having an hour and a half in a hundred and whatever degree room, uh, was very therapeutic <laughs> for me. And that at the time, um, which I think a lot of people find with, with all types of yoga. And then you find the ones that work for you based on whatever, whatever that is kind of like a pause, like, like a pause is an intentional shift in behavior, but you have to find the one that works for you. And not one, it's not a one size fits all depending on the day, depending on what you do. And I'm, I'm getting that from what you're saying. So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And I think that, that 
pause is essentially the first tangible step that the yogis gave us to do also. So we're definitely aligned in that where it's, you're not going to pick up something new until you almost get rid of something old to replace that behavior with, you know, and, and I think same with the stress, like I have the same tendency as you to, to burn quite hard at the wick sometimes and um, not quite realize maybe how many projects I've put on myself and how much I can actually manage (laughs) stress wise, you know? And um, so I had to use that pause or how I, I call it creating space to switch that behavior. And that was really the start of it all. And to, to realizing what you need to put in your new space even, but do you have to realize like every time I'm doing the dishes, I get really angry. Like, okay, this, this isn't working for me. You know, like it's, you don't have to do the dishes just for whatever reason you can ask someone else in your family to do it, or you can even hire someone in if it's that big of a deal, if it's that big of a stressor, you know, like, yeah. And so realizing that from your pause is essentially the journey. I think the yogis wanted us to go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so you've got a whole chapter, like you said, it's called creating space. And then these aspects of different ways to create space. So, so you, you talk about creating space in the body and can you tell us, can you walk us through that? Because I think sometimes we're so much on autopilot, even if we're doing yoga, right? Like we're there doing that very consciously sometimes, but do I really feel, think about my, my forearm and the space that's in between my bones and my muscles? How is that helpful? And and can you teach us a little bit, like how, how we can do that as an exercise? I can try. <laughs> I'm sure but you yes. can do better than me. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking that today because my mind's been super busy lately and um, I just been able to talk a lot and really let my mind get carried away. And in some ways when yeah, you may relate with this, but when you're, you know, now calling myself a writer. And so like every idea I'm like, Oh, is that a good idea? Is that, should I write that down? You know, like my mind's just given this power that I never gave it before. And so today when I did my yoga practice, I literally just laid down and I, I moved through the body like we did at the beginning of this podcast and that very simple yoga nidra. And then I realized through that, I wasn't in my mind. I was moving part by part. And sometimes it's not even about bringing your awareness into your body as much as it's taking it away from your mind, you know, like, and so it's just a form of meditation that um, takes you out of your mind and can bring you into this moment. And, and I just realized why I lay there and I mo- slowly felt like, oh, my lower back feels sore. So I'm just going to move into a child's pose and can and lay my third eye on the yoga mat and just continue laying here and breathing and hearing my breath and just be here in this moment. And when I realized that I was like, oh my God, everything's so peaceful. And I thought, how cliche is that? You know, there's like yoga is never a bad idea, but it's not so much the yoga in the movement. It's just getting out of your head. I think getting into your body, anything like, how are you feeling? Do you, is it anxiety? Is your chest just beating though? What is that physically looking like? Yeah. And if you can tap into those physical sensations you're having, it'll be easier to know that actually every time you come to the dishes, that it's really irritating you. And then you know what you need to cut out. Mm. But sometimes we don't even know what, where we're supposed to start with that. We're just so in our routine, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's spot on. And like, let's use this example of 
doing the dishes. Cause my sense is like, we've all got some version of that, right? For me, it might be dishes for you. It might be um, like answering your emails late at night that you have to get done or putting the deck together. That's going to be out on Monday. So uh, how can you use what your rituals are like these eight, these eight concepts for tuning in to, to know what to do with that? Cause that's, that I think is where it's so easy to get stuck, right? You're just kind of muscling through the activity to get it done, but there's probably ways you could adjust <laughs> a lot of things that could help you. What, what do you, what's like, can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. I would like to. Yeah. Thank you. And um, for asking that because see asana or this step of the yoga process and the book's actually um, about using the eight ancient principles of yoga. So this is one of those principles is asana, which means postures. And I believe that um, postures is just meant to look at your literal body, look at your posture. And how is that making you feel after four hours at the computer? look at your posture, look at your neck, look at your head. How are you feeling? And it's just a way to constantly observe yourself. And, and as you do that, it's easy to see. You could even start writing it down. Like, oh, I started noticing actually that every time I got a message from this certain person, I feel a bit of anxiety in my chest. So maybe I just need to create space there. I don't have to make some huge plan about it. I just am going to start like take a week, you know, and, um, or every time I do the dishes, I'm really pissed that I have a teenager who isn't in here helping me. Usually, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so you just really start to realize by looking at the body, what's happening. Maybe you didn't even notice for so long. Yeah. Yeah. That, that reminds me of a saying. So my brother's the, the yogi in the family, you know, he's, He's doing all kinds of practices, but he tells, he says the body tells a story. And I love that saying because it's like the, and, and, I, and I've heard that from others as well, but that's what I'm getting from you. It's like the body tells a story. So if you feel that crink in your neck or the lower back pain, like that's all associated, probably my sense is given what you're writing, like it's, it's all associated with specific like issues that might be happening in life, right? Like lower back. I've heard that that relates to stress, which isn't really surprising because everyone has lower back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, your kidneys are accurate? there and you, yeah, yeah, I think so. And also like a, a fear of moving forward, I think in the hips and stuff like that lower back hips region is like, how am I going to hold all this up? How am I going to, mm. you know, and stress is in the kidneys for sure. So you don't have to know it all to realize though, that like certain things you're doing are leading to certain symptoms and places of the body, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely, your brother is spot on as well. He's a wise person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also knows like yoga helps a lot. It's like de-stressful too, too. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so with these eight principles, I know you've got eight, can you share a little bit about like a high level of, of all of them, or just maybe a couple that, that are like, how do we get started to learn about these yeah, these, these principles so that they can really help us reach our dreams. Cause that's what you're about. And that's what I love about your book and what your work is because we've all got dreams. And I, I think like the journal I have coming out is to help people journal about their dreams so they can intentionally get there. But can yeah. you share a little bit more about the actual rituals? Cause I, I find it fascinating how these are so, I mean, these are literally thousands of years old in the making, right? So <laughs> here they are in a modern time being of service. 
office. Yes, yes. Um, and I'll, so I'll just kind of go over the eight steps. And I say principles because while they are separate and we can actually focus on each of them individually to develop those skills, they also, once you understand the step-by-step system, they work together and interconnectedly. So I'll just explain it and then maybe it'll make more sense. But the first two are pretty much the yogis, just like in the Bible, they wrote um, the Ten Commandments, something like that. So the yogis gave us like five um, yamas rules and five virtues to live by. And these rules are quite simple and um, things you probably already do already, Mm. like um, be honest, be kind, don't steal, respect your body and, you know, simplify your life. Those are pretty much the rules. And then they gave us these virtues, which are, oh, sorry. (laughs) Sounds like you got a fan there. That's okay. <laughs> that's that's real. The the only worry the about real world. Being in Sri Lanka, yes. But those virtues are things that if you need to um, make a decision, I I always say just print them and put them on your wall and come back later. Don't worry too much about the rules or the virtues. But as you get into this, they they might be helpful to come back to. But the virtues, like so, if you're you know have an ego dream or maybe a soul dream and you're not sure, like you want to start a business, is it really for money or is it because you need the confidence of that journey, you know, or whatever? So I believe these virtues are things that we could come back with our dream and look at our dream under this context. And so the virtues are um, cleanliness, uh, contempt. I'm so sorry about the dog. That's okay. He's just cheering you on, I think. (laughs) Love it. Um, cleanliness. So keeping, keeping clear of toxicity, keeping the body clean with exercise, you know, not distracting yourself with toxicity essentially, or filth. I mean, it's the same way, like in college, I couldn't really study or do anything else until my house was done. Like it was always like this big procrastination to like get on with life until I clean my house. But anyway, obviously the dishes thing is a personal thing, but, um, and then it's contentment, doing things to make you happy. If you have a passion about it, um, learning th- about yourself, studying yourself, and then um, trusting in the universe. So those are the virtues. So when you come back with your dream, and if those things seem to help, um, they seem to align with what you're thinking, then I think you're on the right path. Now, the first tangible thing the yogis wanted us to do Like I said, you could put those rules and virtues away and come back to them in 10 years and they'll still be there, but um, is to create that space that you're really not going to be able to create, create any new with your very hectic, busy, distracted life. So we've got to learn to create more space. It's the only way to become intuitive. It's the only way to know how you're feeling, to know if you have anxiety when you're doing the dishes. If the computer is really making your neck sore until you observe yourself a little bit, you just don't know. So that's where you start with. And I believe that the yogis pretty much just said, come sit down, get comfortable, get really comfortable and steady because now I'm going to teach you something good. And that was meditation. And it was pretty much like, I don't know, I'm imagining 3000 years ago that they still struggled with the same issues we were having today with anxiety with grief, with heartbreak and, you know, all these other things. And it wasn't probably about a hamstring. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like if you're going to go to the super wise man and 
it's like for a real problem most likely. And so they, you know, they taught us just like the Buddha who was a yogi also how to concentrate and how to focus. And in our modern times, like all of our social media and our devices and even how, you know, commercials are so short and things like that, everything's guiding us to do things quick, fast, and be busy and be productive. And that's like the the speed of society. So we have to learn to concentrate and be in our body, in our moment, and to do anything, even if it is write a book or start a business, like that's going to be a skill that's going to be really helpful. Mm. And when you do learn to concentrate the mind, you can learn to move that awareness or consciousness or observation inside your body. And even if that's to listen to your kidneys or whatever, like imagine, you know, there's parts of your inner body that are working right now. Your heart is pumping. If you get quiet enough, you might even be able to feel that. But this is the main part of what the yogis wanted us to do was to become intuitive, to become our own guru, to not have to do anything just because it works for someone else, but figure out our own way because the medicine for depression might be very different than the medicine for anxiety. So we're not all going to be doing the same thing on the mat. And, um, and once you get that, how to be intuitive with those three, I say simple, but like, theoretically they're quite simple but yeah in practice oh yeah they're really simple on paper but then the actual application like everything (laughs) is the work right that's yes but it's all about consistency and if you do three of those things every day if you create a little space in your life and you fill it with a bit of mindfulness and concentration and then you move in and ask yourself how you feel you will figure out very easily Mm. what your dream is, what you want, what your inner soul's asking for. And that's what the final three stages or steps were about was that actually the thing holding us back from our dream that we realize in these intuitive moments is that it's our beliefs, why we can't, that's holding us back. We have everything inside of us we need. So it's learning these blockages, the fear, the craving, the aversion, these are typical things we all hold ourselves back from our dreams for. And once you see those blockages for what they are, you really don't let them bother you as much. It seems like if you just kind of observe them and let them go. And then um, the this final. This is so good. Can I jump in there? Cause I think it was yes. like the final one. Um, yeah. Cause I think this is so relatable where we want to push away the pain, right? Like whatever that means, whether it's physical in our body or if it's emotional or just something that we dread. I think that that's the aversion. And what I'm hearing is this recipe you have. I love the, you call them the niyamas, right? These are these virtues, these, or yeah, these principles, like the talk, like cleanliness, right? And then, yeah. and then the awareness to me, like the way I think about it is when we shine the light on whatever it is that we are observing, then we can actually do something about it. <laughs> then we can actually move into a direction because if we don't know where we are it's like how do we know where we want to go and then we're just kind of then that's when we feel the panic or the lostness or uh the anxiety because we feel like we cannot control it but the idea is like well hey let's create some space get in uh an understanding of what's happening so that you can shift it and that takes courage right like that's where you're in the the asana the the the, the pose or or doing something that can really feel uh, like, like what you really need in the moment, the medicine, like you said. Yeah. It takes so much courage 
and it's painful. It is. I think uh, mm. even, you know, every meditation retreat I went to, I thought I was just going to like be blissed, <laughs> but it's not. It's like, no, here's all your trauma so you can yeah. release it. So you get an afterglow of bliss. Yeah. Like the practices aren't like, you know, floating, floating on rainbows or anything. It's, it's your, that's really the work, you know, as like uh, Nicole LaPera, the doctor who wrote how to do the work, she, ex- you know, talks a lot about this work and it, and it is work, but that's why if you make that work into little rituals, it seems doable. Like it doesn't have to be an hour seated meditation in order to teach your mind to concentrate. You can do a hundred breaths a day, 10 breaths while you walk out to the car, 10 breaths a little later, mm-hmm. just make little moments, you know, of these steps. And then you're doing big work in little bits. <laughs> yeah. And that's the last step. Is that, is that what it is? The ritual side? Is that what you know? So the rituals go along with each of the steps in oh, the book. But so you, you know. have, yeah, the two <laughs> sections are the intuitive rituals, which are the ones I just explained, but then you have the manifestation ritual, like, which we were talking about, which yeah. is really the beliefs, the um, misconceptions of how it's going to work. Um, a lot of our mind stuff and, and limiting belief stuff, you know, that we hold mm-hmm. within ourselves. And um, w- once you do, once you realize what's holding you back, it's like, how often, you know, do you hear someone say like, oh, I just love to go to India. But, you know, when I retire and when my daughter finishes college and then my husband has his knee replacement surgery. So then you just actually never make it there. And it's like, well, those were just all the blockages. You just like literally listed them out. So do you want to go to India or do you not? And when I is just a procrastination. So like, let's go in because those are the blockages. Why you're not allowing yourself to thrive now. And all um, the time. And and I, and I know I get, I, I fall into that too, where it's just like, we're just so zoned in on those, on those, uh, the negativity where we're kind of like mired in uh, the, the distress of it. Right. And then that's what we focus on. And then that's just, of course, going to stop us. Cause that's what we're focused on. Yeah. That's so helpful. Yeah. And so, and actually even, I think, um, BKS, a, a famous yogi, Iyengar, he even said like that step of Dharana is actually, can you hear me? Oh, mm-hmm. is, is, um, concentrating so much on what you want that you don't let what you don't want affect it and so it's a concentration you know and and that's what that stage translates as which you know might be a far call from what as I describe it but I truly believe that if you know what you want you've just got to realize all the things stopping you and Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it becomes very possible. <laughs> right. And this is the theme you're, you keep talking about is this intuition strengthening and, and, and that can lead to deeper insights. But if you're, if you don't have the space, if you're kind of, so, so to speak, cluttered with other things, I noticed you had like a Mary, Marie Kondo quote, and I love her too. And she's really helped me with, uh, you know, the life, the, the life changing habits of tidying up that, that if anyone knows her, that's what it's all about is creating this space, whether it's in your body, through the yogi, through the practices, the rituals, um, principles, I should say, that's how it works. And, and, uh, and so this is something I think all of us can do, right? Like we all have this intuition, but my sense is even me, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to develop this now where I thought maybe I don't, 
I don't, I'm just not gifted there. And so what would you say to those folks who are kind of in that camp of like, well, I don't, I mean, I guess I have intuition, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. And I know, uh, it's sort of challenging to get our heads around that. If we've just thought our way through a lot of things or we're master it's masters in the cerebral space, right? Cause I feel like in the knowledge economy, that's kind of all, a lot of what we do. Even if we, even if we practice yoga, it's like off the, you know, that's one hour of 24. And then you got 23 hours where you you're like, Oh, what, what happened there? <laughs> like, how do I keep that and develop my intuition or intuition for anybody so that we can be connected to know what we want and our dreams can be realized and manifested. Yeah, I think that there, it, it does become more challenging the more um, logical you are, the more science-based, especially, you know, the last step we didn't talk about is actually about believing um, in yourself and self-worth and trusting in the universe and really, you know, manifesting these things that you want and going after these things is, is a path to get there and as a, you know, an offering, a way of service to, to God. And the more that you manifest, the more you'll realize it. But um, yeah, of course, it's that's the reason why it's so it takes so much courage, as you said earlier, to go after these things. And when you do feel a little nudge, to start really listening to that and saying, "Oh, this is something I actually want for myself," and I'm not going to think of anybody else—my kids, my husband, my dogs—why I'm not doing this. But I'm going to do it even if it feels illogical. And even if everyone I tell tells me it's illogical, because that is what happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We convince ourselves that we don't need that yellow Cadillac. It's just so impractical. I mean, I, this is a terrible example, probably, but like that the new Prius, you know, would be so much more gas economical or whatever, you know, and you just, but then like you would have so much more joy maybe with that yellow Cadillac, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you just, and, and that's the thing. They, they even have scientifically proven that people that have chosen a car with 24 hours to choose it versus others who had like 24 days, usually the shorter spanned um, car purchasers were just happier with their gifts. They didn't have a hundred other cars that they had compared it to. They didn't think about that gas mileage for three days. You know, they just had a good feeling about it and they yeah. got it and they liked it. And yeah. so we yeah, can research things into the, <laughs> until they're not fun anymore, you know? And <laughs> right. Right. And, and that's like the play aspect I hear is like bringing that in as an invitation to not think so much about it, but to just enjoy and being in the moment, like the beingness of it. Right. So if you're in that car that yeah. brings you joy, that's you fully al alive, but it's a facilitator for that. And, and like, you can be enjoying that and grateful for that. And I know Gratitude, it sounds like, is one of these tools as well. Like you mentioned it in that unblocking and becoming chapter. Can you talk a little bit about like why is gratitude so powerful in your own experience for for just un, un, like for this unblocking? Yeah. Well, it it does change actually scientifically. It's changing the brain. So this I've always loved when you can get the science behind the, yeah, the yoga. Too. You know, I love and science so, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the, your, the neuroplasticity of your, of your brain is actually changing. And there's something else too, not just being gra grateful and like coming up with that list, but you do start seeing things with more gratitude generally because you're creating a habit of it. 
but also I read, I think it was maybe Pam Grout's book. Um, I, I can't remember where I read this, but she said something about like, if you ask yourself to prove something to yourself, by golly, that it just happens. You just find proof everywhere. Like, instead of saying like, oh, who really loves me? But like, look at all the ways I'm loved. It's almost like your brain wants mm -hmm. to prove things to you. And so both of those practices, I feel like really just get into the brain and start retraining where maybe, you know, there, there's um, Grand Canyons of patterns in your brain. <laughs> there are Grand Canyons of patterns over eons and millions and millions of neuro firing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a, like a powerful reminder and uh, gratitude can be a game changer in how we think about things. Cause you have, you're literally focusing on the positive kind of that redirection of what you're, of, of where our, th our thoughts can go. So that's, that's yeah. incredible. And, and thank you for reminding that for us. And, yeah. and is there any, like you, speaking of rituals, cause I know this is something that I try to create for myself to, to have like a bedtime routine, for example, or just something to wind down or wind up in the morning or you know, something that energizes me. Is there, do you have a favorite with ritual that you do? That's, that's something uh, that aligns with something that you bring, uh, what, you know, in, in one of these, one of these ways of, of just the presence and, and what helped, what, what, like, what, what's your favorite one? Yeah. I'll just tell you a little bit of what I would do. And, you know, I'm usually like try to I preach a bit that we can be flexible with our timing. And I used to be so disciplined almost to the mm -hmm. point of being like self-shaming about it, that if I didn't get to my yoga mat in the morning before eating or all these rules, and then I had a kid and it was like, um, yeah, okay. So my meditation practice is going to happen when I'm breastfeeding because I have no time, mm -hmm. you know, and like it had to become my life and I couldn't just stop living my life for these practices. So now I really. I don't make a ritual to pull my mat out every morning, but I do try to get, like I said, a hundred breaths. I feel like that's my concentration. Conscious practice. Breaths. Yep. A hundred conscious breaths, usually broken up. Like I said, between breastfeeding and oh, getting my one. kid to school and whatever else. Um, <laughs> the gratitude thing has always been a good one for me and also picking one pose. So if I'm doing my if I'm lucky enough to actually sit down and do my conscious breaths, which is a really beautiful way to do it, like, and get into that ritual uh -huh. at the edge of your bed would be wonderful. Just, uh, you know, sometimes it does, it's not as easy. So just make sure you do it whenever you can. But um, yeah. And then if one pose or one part of your body or one, you have a certain feeling and you think there's one thing you can do that would nourish that or nurture yourself somehow, then I'll just pick that. I'll literally every day let my intuition kind of guide me to what I need. And even today, I just like it was laying around the yoga mat so much. I actually did get up and do a physical practice, which I rarely do anymore. I just yeah. don't. And, um, and I just barely moved. And I thought, what? Like, and but I could hear my <laughs> mind saying, go, go, like do another vignette. Come on, you know? And then I was just like, obviously I don't even need that. And so yeah. realizing that, just asking yourself, what do I need? Conscious breaths and, and some gratitude. And mm. that should get things moving in a good direction. <laughs> yeah. So the ritual could be even just, what do I need right now? And then you've got maybe the your, best one of all. your three, your three orders or you know, like the three things you'd want to do. Maybe it's a hundred breaths. Maybe it's three things you're grateful for. Maybe it's like mindful 
brushing teeth, whatever it is. Yeah, a jog. My mom likes tennis. I mean, and to be so out of the box with it too. I mean, it doesn't have to just look like yoga. It could be singing Aretha Franklin if you're healing heartbreak dancing. and you really need that. Yes, yeah. dancing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 my last question here, because I'm I'm curious, do you do you have a favorite pose, even though you don't do them too much? Someone who's been so um under like like really in the world of yoga a lot. Like, do you have a favorite? I do. And now it's Shavasana. I love just <laughs> laying there. And, you know, if you're really like, I feel like you can use poses for things like, so I was really into arm balances for many years, like through my twenties as I was in a shtongi. So I had a really strong body. And, you know, a few years after that, I started my business. So I always feel like I needed that strength. I needed that confidence from those arm balances. Then I got really stressed. You know what I mean? Then I started doing like child's pose all the time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I always used the main pose or the main style I was doing, you know, to help me with what I was really overcoming at the, at the moment. And, and even it can look like, you know, even sometimes now I say, your yoga practice is really just anything that's nurturing you take an hour, take 20 minutes to do that. doesn't have to look like movement. You can bring your computer over and study astrology. If it makes you believe (laughs) miracles more, you know, but what do you need? Well, it's and, these principles. That's that. what I'm getting is like, it's not the, it's like that, whatever is your practice, it could be learning these principles, reading your book could be the yoga, the practice for that week for that month. Yes. And let it change. Cause every day we do too. Yeah. Not be so set in stone. Right. That's the fluidity, fluidity of it. Yeah. It's be really powerful. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you. Yeah. So for, and for anyone who doesn't know Shavasana, it's, it's, it, I, I probably wouldn't do it justice to explain it. I know what it is, but how would you describe it? Um, it's called corpse pose in English. So it's pretty much just laying back, letting your <laughs> wrist fall to the side, laying down flat on the ground and letting your legs just fall and your hands fall open, completely relaxed, completely neutral. Yeah, it's it's just, and, and I know, yeah, it's it's so helpful after whatever you're doing or just to lay there, corpse foot pose. Yes, I forgot the English name, actually. That's that's helpful. Yeah, yeah so, wow, what a what an incredible journey, Corey. And, and uh, tell us a little bit, like, can we, where can we find out more about you or learn more if we wanted to just dive into the world of what you offer with with this with this book and with meditation and all of those things? Yeah, thank you. Um, so the book is um, recently out only a few weeks now. And, um, you know, that's just it's aren't books incredible, because you put so much time and energy yeah. into them, that you're what you the points you want to get across are so eloquently written. And there it's just, um, yeah, I just hope that if someone's looking for kind of how to fill their pause. This is, this is a good option. Um, but there are meditations on my website that go along with it. And if you really want to put the theory into the practical, there are some free programs to get you started and to integrate these concepts a little bit more and um, familiarize you with them. And that's all at santoshasociety.com. S-A-N-T-O-S-H-A society. Santoshasociety.com. I'll put that in there. And that means that's one of the niyamas. It means contentment. So it just means, you know, how, how are we all going to be content? <laughs> how are we going to get there? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put that in the notes, the, the link to your site, santoshasociety.com. You can download 
meditations, learn more about the book and your book's available everywhere, pretty much, uh, online and you can get it, get it, which is exciting. And I think it's, yeah, it's a powerful pause is to read this rituals of the soul using the eight ancient principles of yoga to create a modern and meaningful life. And just one last question here. Is there anything else you think that you'd like to leave us with just as a final thought or uh, anything that you think could serve us in this world of pausing to thrive and, and helping us to lead the meaningful life that we are all capable of living? Yeah, lately I've just been called to when we do take that pause and there's pain or there's discomfort and 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 it's not as beautiful as we'd like for the story to unfold that that is a part of the process and it's so normal and I think if we all would just normalize that a little bit more in our own lives like oh, we would just live so much happier and so much more content and so Lately, it's like, oh, you wrote, I, in many of these interviews I hear, oh, you wrote a book about dreams. You must just be loving it. And it's like, no, your dreams are a dream until they're your reality. And then they're your reality, you know? So you're still just, you have another dream that comes up and, and they're, we're always moving through that pain and that discomfort and that suffering. And so we might as well just start normalizing that a little bit. That's, that's what that I'm reminder. telling myself. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that reminder it. because pain is, is, uh, is part of being human. And it's actually, yeah, what I'm hearing is like being with, well, this is what I know my coach would tell me being with my pain is part of me, me being me and, and like emerging as my authentic self that is more full, like more whole. And, uh, cause that's my unknown parts of myself. Those are the, those are the parts that I may have neglected over time for whatever reason. And all of us can kind of think about that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. that powerful thought. And, uh, and I would say for anyone listening where maybe you've, you've resonated with the principles or, 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 um, some of these niyamas, like the, the, the values share this episode, like share this out with the world. Maybe there's a friend who could use some support right now and they're a yogi or you're a yogi and you just relate to this, or you've got uh, a class where you take, and you think that this could be a great way to share. So I invite you to, to, to spread the love and, and offer this as a, um, as an offering, right. Where you could have, you could help someone out and, and, uh, what better way to do that than just help people understand that there's solutions out there. And I think your book, Corey yeah. is a great one for it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so grateful for you to be here. Speaking of gratitude on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening today to the pause cast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so that you don't miss a show. And if you haven't already, please rate us, leave your review. We would love to hear from you and help us get the word out. If you know of anyone who you think might benefit from the tools or discussions that you've found helpful, then invite them to join us. Share the podcast with those who you think might find this useful to become more self-aware. Remember, sharing is caring. I'll see you next time on the podcast.